Welcome to another edition of the Gold Nose Podcast. I am your host, Gregory McCoy. This podcast is by a fan for fans. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. I am not an insider. I do not work for a website. The majority of my information comes from me and my opinion. Other information comes from the Internet. Today is January 7th, 2020. This is episode number 37. Uh, on the previous episode, I said 26 for whatever reason that it was. That was episode number 36, the previous episode. I apologize for that. Um, I try not to make those mistakes in the future. Um, I'm going to start off with my usual format, highlighting one offensive player and one defensive player. And then I have a couple of other topics I would like to talk about. So let's get started. Uh, the first highlighted player today is going to be Devontae Taylor, not Levante Taylor. This is Devontae Taylor with a D as in dog. All right. Graduate transfer from Florida, Florida International University or FIU. All right. Um, six, four, three, oh, five. Offensive tackle slash offensive guard. I'm projecting him. I'm projecting him to be a offensive guard for Florida State. Um, I watched his highlights versus Tulane. Uh, he seemed overwhelmed, overwhelmed by lesser competition. Hopefully, Josh Storms, the strength and conditioning coach, can rebuild this guy so he can dominate. I don't see him being a savior on this offensive line. Burst off the line um, for run blocking is okay. Footwork needs work. Perfect height and weight for an offensive guard, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, this guy, he's coming over from FIU, like I previously stated. Um I'm not impressed. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like he's a body. Um, I don't think he's better than anybody we've got on the roster right now. Um, you know, maybe if this guy hits the weight room really hard, he can be a contributor. He can be a backup. But, I mean, you're getting overwhelmed by uh, – lesser competition he did however however he did play well in the miami game which they beat miami so um that's that's a plus um you know i just feel like if uh dante lucas can recover from that injury he sustained he sustained in the uh sun bowl he's gonna be a starter and I feel like if they move Darius Washington down to guard or Ira Henry down to guard, I think those are going to be your guys unless they go and get a couple of uh, JUCOs or get in the transfer, transfer portal and get someone or add some more graduate transfers. Um, so that's all I got to say about him uh, as far as his play. There's no NFL comparison for him next i wanted to speak on jared jackson uh transfer from louisville 
uh, 6-6 defensive end uh, slash defensive tackle defensive tackle I'm projecting him to be a defensive tackle um, Florida State wants speed on the edges with a super effort in the weight room this guy can be a force uh, had to look very hard to find any highlights on him he really didn't play that much in 2018 when he was at Louisville he had like nine tackles and two sacks um but from just looking at some of his high school stuff I mean the guy can play um you know I figure that Durden and Wilson are going to be your starters I figure Robert Cooper and this guy right here Jared Jackson can be your uh second team then I figure Manny Rogers and True Thompson could be your third team um because you're going to have to rotate those defensive tackles. That's what killed us last year. Durden and Wilson played great in the first half, but they was gassed in the second half because they played every snap. And, you know, eventually, if you, you're playing like that, if you're not in supreme condition, and I've been harping this whole podcast, it's episode number 37, virtually every player spotlight, Strength and conditioning needs to improve. You know, nothing's different. So you have to get a rotation going on this defensive line um, in order uh, to sustain, you know, any kind of great play on defense. Um, you know, just watching the, the, the limited action he was in, he, he flashed a little bit here and there. Um I don't have an NFL comparison for him. I mean, this is a big guy. And just from some of the pictures that I have seen of him being on the Florida State sideline, he needs to get in the weight room. He doesn't look in shape. So, um, but I think that both of these guys that I've highlighted thus far can be contributors for us. Um We'll just have to take the wait and see approach on that. Next, I wanted to talk about the transfer portal versus the graduate transfer portal. And this is what I wrote about that transfer portal. Uh, its debut was October 15th, 2018. To me, it's a very NCAA controlled free agency, usually for better players. Um, a player can get in this portal and dependent on their situation that will determine if he's immediately eligible or if they have to sit out a year. The NCAA takes way too long to determine if a player is eligible or ineligible. Um, yeah, the transfer portal, um, the NCAA basically uh, controls it like it like it does so it wouldn't be like you know open range and no holes barred kids going everywhere and anywhere so they kind of put those checks and balances in there so it would it just won't be a free-for-all and kids just get mad because they're not playing and just leave um you know back when i was coming up i mean you you waited your turn to play you know guy like Charlie Ward waited three years 
to be the starter. Um, you know, kids don't have that patience anymore. Um, you know, these transfer options, teams use these to rebuild their team. Um, you know, it's a great way to make your team relevant in a short amount of time. Um, so next, I wanted to speak on the graduate uh, transfer portal. Um, a player using this option is immediately eligible. Usually, usually less talented players. There's There's been a couple of great exceptions. Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow. Um, schools cannot block a graduate transfer. Most players use this to get better exposure for the NFL. Must be a college graduate, obviously, to use this option. Your big-time programs usually don't use these guys. Your Clemsons, your Alabamas, your Oklahomas, Ohio States. Uh, like I said before, Joe Burrow is probably the best graduate transfer ever. Heisman Trophy winner, and he's in a college football playoff championship game. Um, yeah, so like I said, um, teams use this to rebuild their teams. Obviously, this helped LSU tremendously. Um, Florida State is going this route. Um, they're obviously they're bringing in uh, transfers left and right. Um, there's a couple of offensive linemen that they're targeting. I hope they get them, and uh, I hope they're players and they can help us get back to. Uh, uh, respectability um so i'm gonna have to say that the winner um out of this comparison is gonna have to be the transfer portal um over the transfer transfer portal wins over the graduate uh transfer just because you have better players in the transfer portal now the ncaa is more involved than this uh, transfer option than the uh, graduate transfer but you know if the player the player puts the player can put in a waiver and petition the NCAA to have immediate eligibility and usually usually the NCAA gives that waiver to the player um, so next I wanted to talk about the most obnoxious fan bases in college football and Florida State did make the list. A lot of people think that we are very obnoxious fans. So um, I'm just going to go down my list, and I'll probably say a little something about each team. So here we go. USC Trojans. Um, here lately, they haven't been that arrogant because they, you know, they haven't been good. But back in the Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and all the, when all those guys were there, um, they were very arrogant. They were very arrogant. And some of that arrogance has carried over to even today. Um, you know, they can't put a blockade around their state to keep their players uh, there. But if USC ever gets a dynamic coach, watch out. They'll they'll turn back into that annoying fan base that we know from 2000, 2005, 2006. Next is going to be the Texas Longhorns. USC was number 10. This is number 9. Texas Longhorns. Uh, you know, 
they were really annoying when Mac Brown was there. Um, they really haven't been relevant since the Mac Brown era. But like I said, in the in the early two thousands and mid to late two thousands, this fan base was very annoying because they just felt like they had all those back to back number one classes and they were a phenomenal team. Don't get me wrong. But um their fans can be very annoying. All right, that was number nine. Number eight, Florida State Seminoles. Um, you know, what can I say, man? Success breeds hate. And on this list, you got a lot of successful teams. And, you know, I've been to a lot of Florida State games in my life. You know, when when you're doing the, the tomahawk chop and then you look across the way and then the student section is doing the tomahawk tomahawk chop but except they've got a middle finger stuck up that pretty much tells you that we're in a we're we are an annoying fan base okay so that was number eight number seven miami hurricanes these guys live in the past so much anytime you talk to a miami hurricanes fan we got five rings we got five rings you are a little brother you are a little brother so look man you haven't you haven't been relevant in almost 20 years. Please win something. Please. You you've been to one ACC championship game since you've been in the conference. Okay? Stop living off the 80s and the 90s and please win something this century. All right? Oklahoma Sooners. Um I feel like the Big 12 Okay, Miami was number seven. This is number six, Oklahoma Sooners. Okay, Oklahoma Sooners play in the Big 12, which is like a no-defense football league. And for the life of me, I don't understand how they keep getting into the college football playoff. It has to be off of just name recognition and just being able to draw views. That's that's the only thing I can come to. All right? Because um, they've gotten totally obliterated in the last – two uh college football playoffs they they did have a classic with georgia three years ago or two years ago um but their fans are annoying because they think that they're entitled to be in the college football playoff so that's number six this is number five clemson tigers and they've become a, they've their fan base has become really arrogant the last four or five years and rightfully so, they've had a lot of success. Uh, we all know what's going on. They're buying players. Everybody's buying players, okay? But Clemson is doing it at a historical <laughs> rate, my friend. And uh, I tip my hat to them. You know, all I can call them is national champs. Um, but uh, I'm, I live in the Clemson area. Uh, Cle I live in Clemson country. And uh, I'm here to tell you, they are very arrogant. Alabama Crimson Tide. Like I said, success breeds hate. And they've won four national championships. So everybody hates Alabama. Uh, I got a relative that's from Alabama. Uh, very arrogant. <laughs> and again, rightfully so. They deserve to be arrogant. Um and, uh, you know, year in and year out, they're going to be in the college football playoff more than likely. 
That was number four. Number three, Florida Gators. If you ever been to the swamp, you know what I'm talking about. I don't really need to go into any details. If you ever get a chance to go to a Florida Gators home game, go. And it's self-explanatory. Ohio State, um, again, very arrogant fans. Um, I was was kind of semi-upset when, you know, the, the Clemson receiver caught the ball and took like three or four steps and the guy stripped it and they ran it in and they called it back. But then I got to thinking when uh, they called that pass interference on the Miami player, you know, back in 2002. And they, uh, it was basically a BS pass interference call. So I thought that was karma. And uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. Um, and their fair, they fan, their fan base feels entitled. Their fan base thinks that, you know, they should get all the best players. And I quite frankly don't like them. So that's why I put them at number two. Now, the most annoying fan base in college football, in my opinion, is the Notre Dame fighting Irish. You haven't won anything in 31 years. Okay, you made it to the championship game against Alabama in 2012 and you got boat raced. You made it to the college football playoff last season and got boat raced. And these guys still think that they are like the just the the cream of the crop when it comes to college football. I don't understand. You haven't won anything. All right. You won't join a conference. Okay. You you play the soft. You know what I'm saying? You play six ACC games, I think. So why don't you just join a conference? So we can really see what you're made of. Um, so that was number one, man. Um, let me know what you think about that top ten. Last, The last thing I want to talk about is who will win a conference title first? Jimbo Fisher, Willie Taggart, or Mike Novell? All right, and I'm picking Willie Taggart to win uh, his first conference title between the three. He's in Conference USA. It's going to be easier for him, but we are talking about Willie Taggart. Um, He really showed me that he's a bonehead coach. Uh, next, I think Mike Norvell has the second best chance. He just has to get past Clemson, which is going to be impossible, but he has the second best chance. Jimbo Fisher, he's in the SEC West. I'm predicting he's never going to win a conference title. You went from just having to beat Clemson to now having to beat Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and then Mississippi. Old Miss is on the way back. And Mississippi State is decent. So it's the hardest division in football. Um, So that's going to conclude episode number 37. I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Bobcat. Bob. (laughs) Spotify Podcasts. All right. And 
I really appreciate all the support and people. I really appreciate all the support that you guys have gave, given me. And as always, go nose.